0: Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Golf Course Industry Magazine Editor-in-Chief. Guy Soprano. After a successful debut profile last year about Pasatiempo Golf Club in Santa Cruz, California, we're back with another profile in the Enduring Greatness series. For this profile, we are featuring Plainfield Country Club in Northern New Jersey. The story can be found in the May edition of Golf Course Industry Magazine, and this is the podcast accompanying that story. And joining us is Plainfield Country Club Superintendent Travis Pauley. Travis is going to discuss the intricacies of the Donald Ross design and how his team works to produce elite playing conditions. But before we get going with Travis, a word from the supporter of the series. For more than a century with cutting-edge turf equipment and irrigation solutions, Toro has had your front nine covered and your back nine too. In fact, Toro's always had your back Period. Toro is as committed to your long-term success as Toro pros are committed to their shot. That's down to top-notch customer support from Toro and its dedicated local distributors, both of whom are passionate about delivering turf equipment and irrigation solutions that solve real-world problems. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor today. So big thanks to Toro for supporting this awesome series and a big thanks to Travis for taking some time to join us. Well, Travis, thanks for joining the podcast. It's awesome to speak with you again, and I had a chance to visit you a few months ago and see Plainfield Country Club for the first time, and it's a spectacular place. But the, the first thing I want to know from you is, when did it first hit you that Plainfield is a unique piece of land and, and a special club?
1: Honestly, it'd be back when I uh, first interviewed, or before my first interview, I was able to run around the golf course for a couple hours and knew the, the history and you know, it was a top 100 golf club. But... Once you rode around and could see this very undulating property and these what are very uh, undulating and severe greens, you realize just how special it was. And you know, we—I had started doing, you know, restoration work uh, when I was assistant up at Ridgewood, and you can see you can see the potential, Greg. It's certainly started in the club, had uh, started the process of the restoration, but, you know, there was more to do and you could see it plain as day, uh, getting the trees off of the property. And so uh, from the very the very first time I was on the property, uh, I knew it was a special place and it was a, a place that, you know, you could p- potentially spend a long time at, which I've been able to do. So,
0: That's a really unique part of the story. So you became superintendent in 2005 and you were just in your mid-20s at the time. How has the course changed? In the last 16 years?
1: Uh, the club developed a master plan with Gil Hans back in um, 99 and had they had started chipping away at the restoration process. But we went into uh, very aggressive tree removal. Uh, my first winter, Greg had started prior, I think, quantity of trees wise. Greg probably cut more trees than I have, but I think we're probably close to a thousand trees we've taken off, but we cross cut the property. So our first green's one of the highest points anywhere. And you can now see almost probably 15 or 16 holes from the first green. Back then you couldn't see uh, three or four. Um, so obviously tons of tree work and then getting our grassing lines right and getting our bunkers restored. Um, prior to uh, Gil's involvement, the, the bunkers were made Easier to sand pro back in the day. I believe Jeffrey Cornish did some master plan work here. So the bunkers were uh, a little more free-formed rather than the grass faces that we have now. So we've done all that work. We've we've restored the flat bottom kind of grass-faced bunkers that Ross built originally. Again, we've got our grass lines uh, where they belong. Uh, We've got the green expansions done to the very edges of the drop-offs around the greens. And then we've done an enormous amount of drainage, drainage work uh, to get the golf course to drain uh, like we need it to after storms. And uh, so we're kind of, the golf course is where it needs to be now. It took us a fair amount of time. Gil says this was his longest res- restoration process maybe that he's ever been involved with, but we got it, and um, and the golf course is really good now. So
0: Speaking of your own career journey, Travis, just explain how somebody from northwest Ohio ends up at Plainfield Country Club at such an early point in his career.
1: So I had interned a few places um, in England uh, one summer uh, in 2000. I spent a summer at Belle Reve in 2001, uh, did some part-time work at Scioto in Columbus, and an assistant at Ridgewood. But I think a true understanding of golf, and I, I play golf not at a crazy high level, but I, I can – you know, I can I can play, and I understand how the game's played. I think that that summer, especially in England, uh, being able to see what true firm and fast conditions are Lynx golf, Heathland golf—that really can get firm and fast in the summer—and seeing and appreciating what that golf is all about uh, certainly helps gain an appreciation for working. You know, and 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 being able to uh, convince the club to hire me back then, uh, I could. Golf IQ is very high. I've been able to play a lot of uh, top 100 golf courses, so experience what the best of the best are and are about and being able to articulate what I felt Plainfield could be um, during the interview process, I know helped me get where I was at an early
0: age. Travis, how much does history and Donald Ross mean to Plainfield Country Club and your team?
1: Certainly the, the Ross heritage is very important to the club. It's uh, it is certainly one of his best and one of the one of his masterpieces. And I think the tendency now that we've got the restoration done and uh, I am the protector of the golf course from the membership so to speak. I, I tell my chairman, especially when they're new. My job is to protect the golf course from you guys, from you know, somebody coming in and wanting to do, you know, whatever idea they want or think is a good idea. We, you would never go and change the Mona Lisa or or some other great painting, and it, we're kind of at the point with that here. There are some things that if we've got tournaments or uh, especially a national event where we've got to make some changes, but fundamentally we can't get caught up in you know the flavor of the month, so to speak, to uh, changes on the golf course. We're we're where we need to be, and now I think we need to just leave it alone so to speak. Change for the sake of change at this point is not necessarily a good thing without a very well thought out process that Gil would agree with uh, still fits in that Ross mode. So I think that's our guiding uh, principle now uh, and it's, it's served us pretty well.
0: Before getting to playing field you had a chance to work at Mohawk Country Club in Tiffin, Ohio which is the first course you worked at, and then later you had a chance to work at Scioto Country Club in Columbus. What have you observed about Donald Ross designs, and what make, makes them unique from a golf course superintendent's perspective?
1: I think they're, um, the golf courses definitely use the, the natural contours of the property to their full advantage. Uh, I think that was one of his best skills. I've not had the opportunity to go to Seminole, but I know, you know you've got the two ridges that he used. On many of the holes, Uh, same thing here. We've got rolling topography that, if you look at an overhead of our club, that it kind of looks like it just plays back and forth, but it doesn't at all. It never feels like that, even though the holes are kind of run parallel in the same direction many times. The golf course plays very differently, even though the holes run parallel with each other because of the terrain and and him recognizing the – and using the, the slopes and the rolling terrain. And, and I think that's the case at same thing at Mohawk, it's a very uh a fairly undulating property as is Soyota. Uh and it uses those slopes and contours and to their absolute maximum ability without you know, he didn't have the ability of, of plowing this stuff under. He had to use it, you know, build a golf course on it. So I think that would to me that's probably the the most special thing about his, his designs.
0: Travis, what is it like maintaining some of those slopes and contours?
1: There are challenges, certainly. we have got to have mowers that you know can contour with the ground, um, and um, we've got to use our, our greens. We're using 18-inch flex head uh, greens mowers just because they are severe, and we know when we're trying to get speeds up that uh, a 21 or 22-inch wide reel will tend to, to scalp on the edges, and so you've got to have mowers that... Can flex pretty well. You've also got a fair amount of handwork on some of these severe slopes, especially around our greens and bunkers. That uh, no matter what, we to to maintain them so that they don't fail, we've got to use flymos. And uh, there's more handwork than than some other golf courses would have.
0: One of the things I find fascinating about the the Plainfield story is that you're just the third superintendent since 1951. It was Red Wender for 40 years, and then Greg James replaced him, and then you came along. Uh, Travis, how important is continuity to the club's success and your department's success? And your department also has some employees besides yourself who have been there for a decade or more.
1: The continuity boils down to um, it's a really good place to work. Our now COO and Director of Golf, and I have said it almost since I got here, that there, there's very few places that we would rather be working at. Are there bigger jobs or, or is there the spotlight bigger in some spots? There's no question there is. But our membership is, I think, is probably as good uh, as any around. They're very good guys to work for. They, they give us the resources to do our jobs and kind of get out of our way. And I think that's a big reason that we've got the continuity here that we do. Uh, if it wasn't a good place to work, people wouldn't stay around as long as they do. And that goes for my guys as well. I think we have now recognized uh, that we've got to potentially do things a little differently than we probably did when I was growing up as an assistant uh, with working a lot of hours and, and you know, six, seven days a week. Um, the, the younger generation doesn't necessarily want to work like that anymore, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're having and struggling getting assistance is the quality of life uh, isn't great, so you know I think you got to make it a good good place to work, and and I'm fortunate my bosses give me the flexibility to to make it good on my guys too. So they've given us the resources uh, with labor and equipment to make our job as quote unquote easy as it is it can be, and uh, so that we get people time off and uh, time with their families and but I think it all boils down to being a good place to work.
0: Travis, is the challenge the same as it was 15 years ago for you, or has that challenge evolved and changed over the years?
1: It's changed uh, just because I think um, with the the golf course, behaves much differently than it did uh, 15 years ago. It drains much, much better than it used to. So we're not worried about, after a rainstorm, getting water off the golf course. We basically never almost never have to pump water out of here so where that was something before we'd be worried about after a storm or we're going to get the water out uh, for instance we've also taken care of nearly every agronomic tree that's causing issues on our especially the putting greens so that you know we've got as good a system as we're going to have without a wholesale uh, rebuild like some of the big clubs are doing, you know, in the last couple of years, but um, I I think, you know, from a, we've done the drill and fill and the XGD and the greens and all the other drainage and cut the trees down. Uh, We've got a golf course that is uh, we've put uh, as much in our favor as we possibly can Uh, and even build in, you know, build a, a, a drainage system that uh, we can handle, you know, some um, adverse events, um, and, and the results still are are in our favor.
0: We were talking a little off the air about how dry the start of the spring was, uh, Travis. When you get the right weather, how, how do you want the golf course to play? How does Plainfield Country Club play for the members?
1: Well, we certainly want it to be firm and fast. We've got, you know, many of our greens are are very open in the front but the, the approaches and things were were contoured and shaped uh even back in the day to to reward playing golf on the ground but golf was certainly back in the teens when the golf course was built uh was played very differently and it was played along the ground a lot more so than we do now with the aerial game that uh, most people play but keeping the golf course firm and fast is uh is very important you can see it and that's when this place plays the best and that's when ross's genius comes out of the you know these contours that uh while the fairways are pretty wide they don't effectively play very wide when it gets firm because the balls are, are going to roll out or you know you need to to work a ball back into a slope to keep it in the fairway or keep it out of a bunker um even though the you know, fairway might be 40 45 watt far yards wide it it plays effectively much narrower. So it it's very important that it is firm and fast. And the golf course, as I said, as, as you mentioned, is it's been dry up until last weekend playing like Ross intended. But, you know, a ground game also get, bring you know, allows our older players and our ladies, players that can't hit the ball up in the air, an ability to get around here and still play golf. If you have to hit a ball up in the air every single time to hold a green, it, it becomes very difficult as you uh, get older or if you can't do that don't have that ability. So it's keeping it bouncy is just as important I think for the those players as it is for our best players.
0: How important are the approaches to Plainfield Country Club and how much more emphasis do you put on approaches now than maybe you did early in your career?
1: The approaches are, you know, nearly as important as the greens, I would say. They they need to be Again, because of the design of the golf course, you need to be able to potentially bounce a ball onto the greens. So we've got to keep those firm. We've started top dressing them um probably back in two thousand twelve, some of them and now all of them have a sand, you know, carpet over the native soil. Many of them, over half, have X G D in them as well to again keep them firm and keep the balls uh bouncing. Uh and you know, people can bounce a ball onto these greens. So uh, it's, it's very important, uh, for the way the golf course plays.
0: What type of equipment does it take to get the golf course to play like that? And how important is it having, having the right tools?
1: We're very fortunate that again, as I mentioned earlier, the club gives us the, the tools, uh, so to speak to do the job. So we've got a lot of equipment, you know, going into COVID last year, I think we've got 11 triplexes, something like that on the property. And historically, uh, we've been triplex and fairways for, you know, over 25 years. Uh, I know Greg started sometime in the mid-90s, and we had continued up until last year. But we've also got some bigger mowers that we've got a fair amount of bent grass that can get puffy on us with triplexes in the middle of the summer that we've got the ability to cut a little more aggressively with. So we've got some bigger mowers. Again, we with all those triplexes last year and the shortages with COVID, we were able to convert a few of them to uh, greens mowers. So we have that ability to ride mow greens on weekends, for instance, and again, giving staff some time off that we didn't do a great job probably with uh, prior to COVID that I'm, it's very important now. So
0: we've got a, a
1: big equipment fleet, admittedly, uh, but it enables us to make decisions and set the equipment up to keep the golf course really good, depending on what's going on. If it's wet, if it's dry, if it's if it's stressful out there, we, we can make adjustments and keep going
0: over the last few years you've incorporated gps guided spraying into your operation how has that helped your spray program and elevated playing conditions
1: we have a fair amount of chipping areas around our green and i would say the the areas that probably got better were the approaches in the chipping areas because uh we would typically we have reduced our acreage of sprayed greens and i feel like our spray program on greens to keep anthracnose at bay on this poa uh in particular, is it ends up being too many inputs for approaches to keep them firm and fast, and having the ability of the the, the sprayers to keep track around the greens and just spray the greens and our actual collars uh, and bring you know products like it closer to the greens and be able to reduce the fertilizer on the approaches has helped us firm those up even more than they probably were before. So it's been great for that. It's been great. Any metric we will, you can measure by, the GPS has helped us from an environmental standpoint using less product, from a fiscal standpoint using less product, from an accuracy standpoint. Um, any
0: metric you want to measure it by, it's helped us out. Was well, the technology intimidating to implement and if so how did you and your staff overcome that initial trepidation with it
1: it really wasn't we do again spray things differently but we knew um you know once we got the golf course mapped and how we wanted to spray it in an ideal world we set ourselves up that way and you know you just every sprayer is a little different and every piece of equipment's a little different and you learn the the pluses and minuses uh of every system and we've got it figured out and and really love the sprayers, and I. everyone says they would never, by choice, go back to spraying the old way. It, it's been such a positive experience for everybody that uh, I just can't ever see us going back at Plainfield to spraying with non-GPS-controlled sprayers.
0: You're about ready to enter the event season. What's a successful summer in your mind, your market and with your club and with your team?
1: Oh, Obviously continuing to have the golf course playing – uh, like it is we still you know want the greens relatively fast we want the golf course relatively firm you know with relatively favorable weather we can do that we we know if it gets wet we can we the golf course drains really well if we get dry it's it, it obviously will take more labor and more of our efforts with hoses and hand water and things like that but um, I think getting through with you know pretty solid grass cover everywhere and the golf course playing again, firm and fast, as firm and as fast as um, the the weather conditions will allow us to. And, again, we've got the infrastructure in to do that.
0: We just need a little help from Mother Nature. You've accomplished uh, so much over the last decade and a half. How do you keep yourself and the team motivated, and what are you pushing for next, Travis?
1: We've started the process of um, uh, switching our bunker sand out to uh, a better uh, firmer-type sand with the addition of uh, the better Billy Bunker liner system. Uh, we've got about 40% of our bunkers to do. We're hopeful this uh, winter to do that. So we've got those projects. We've got some uh, stream channel restorations and liners that we've got to do. So, you know, in the off-season, we're trying to do projects. Um, In-season, which you know, it's maintaining a golf course at, you know, the very highest levels that keeps us going. So I think that those improvements keep us going and keep people interested and and wanting to keep the membership happy. That's an important part of why we got in this business and being able to see what we produce every single day uh, going out there is uh, part of it.
0: Last thing here, Travis, uh, you have a a zest for golf and an appreciation of history. How awesome is it to Pull into a place like Plainfield Country Club every day.
1: It's pretty great. Again, I I got lucky very early to get such a great job at at a, such a great place, uh, and and get to look at what is one of the best golf courses uh, anywhere in the world. And I'm just very lucky. And, and we work hard to make sure we don't screw it up. That was probably my biggest fear when I got my job was I essentially won the lottery. Uh, and I'm like, if I screw this up, I'll never get another opportunity. The odds are very low that you'd ever get an opportunity like this again. So I think that's another motivator for me is that fear of failure. I, I know that if I screw this up, I may never get another chance like this
0: again. So we want to make the most of it. Well, Travis, thanks for the time again. It was a Joy to see Plainfield a few months ago, and it was great to catch up with you again. And uh, congrats on everything you and the the team and the club have achieved.
1: Yep, thank you. Uh, It was great being with you.